Hey, what's up? This is Evan. And Michael. And Nico. And Jared. And this is Dungeon Talk Episode 9. And uh, tonight we're going to focus mainly on uh, new DMs, um, things that I've learned, things that I've experienced. Uh, Jared has DM'd a lot lately, so you have some questions already written that you want to... Well, we kind of want to flip the script on this podcast, because pretty much... Almost every other podcast was a lot of you asking me questions and me covering my experiences and my opinions as a DM. And when we created this idea of the podcast and the website, part of it was helping people become DMs. And traditionally, in my experience, there's two different ways that most people turn to DM it. One, they're a player in a game, much like you, and you just decide, hey, I have a story I want to tell. So that you decide to jump behind the screen and try to be a DM. Or you just want to play D&D and you can't find a group so you start your own. And if those are the two aspects that we're focused on, then that's what we need to provide in our podcast is to help people do that. So I want to talk specifically about your experiences because you did that. You were a player for a while. You thought it was okay. And then just out of the blue, you're like, hey, I want to be a DM. So you must have had a story that you wanted to tell. That's what caused you to jump across the screen and be a DM. So I just want to talk a little bit about that. And then we have Jared with us tonight, and I, I believe your experiences were similar to that. You started playing D&D, and then at some point you're like, hey, I want to tell a story, and you switched to Well, yeah, it. and also uh, being a player a lot, um, you see things that you like and you don't like from various DMs, and you incorporate that as a DM yourself. So that's actually helped a lot in my DM style. And that's the same thing kind of with the podcast. One of the goals is for other people, the audience, to listen to our experiences. And there'll be things that we say and do that they're like, hey, I want to do that. And there'll be things that we say and do that are like, mm, no, that's not for me. And that's fine. Exactly. And then, Nico, you've actually been playing longer than any of us. So this isn't new to you, but did your journey to DM start as a player first or a DM first? Oh, my, my journey was, I think, a lot different than your guys' journey. Uh, first of all... When I started playing AD&D, I didn't know English well enough. Actually, a lot of the vocabulary I earned or learned was through reading AD&D books. Did you ever play D&D in Greece, or did you yeah, just start but, here? No, it was in Greece. Um, back when I was 16, so I've been playing now like 17 years. Um, but the books were in English, and the group that I found, because nobody really role-played, and at least I didn't know role-players in Greece, so I knew Americans role-playing, so I was like role-playing my second language for the first time. So I actually did not DM until I turned uh, maybe 22, so I guess it took me like eight years, and primarily it was I wasn't comfortable with my accent, I wasn't comfortable that I was able to uh, portray the situation or have a good enough story for people to be engaged. Because, I mean, I have an accent now, but back then it was even worse. So because of that, I was like, even actually my first experience was horrible. Because in my head, and I, and I didn't realize this actually happens to all DMs, but it really does happen. It's like in your head you have a clear picture, and then as you're actually describing the situation, the players start acting. You're like, wow, they're like not even realizing how the setup is. And they have to like start drawing things and experiencing and, and like explaining things better. But that's part of the DM process. I was assuming it was because of my accent. So when I was 22 and I tried to DM a couple of games, it was just frustrating for me. I felt it was frustrating for the players. But I was attributing the issue in my accent, not in my lack of experience as a DM. So I didn't DM again until I was 25. And then I felt a lot more comfortable with you know what I had to say and all that stuff. So I think it made a big difference. And I experienced the same situation, but I was seeing it from a different perspective of like, hey, this is like a skill. And the more you do it, the better it becomes. And I think, and it's one of those skills, it's not like playing guitar that you're only, and I'm not putting anybody that plays guitar down, but it's like, as a guitar player, you have to like learn the notes, and then you have to practice, and then basically what you're concentrating on is playing faster or in, in a better tempo. Well, with DMing, there's like skills that you kind of have to, have to start engaging people. Uh, a good example is the game that we play today, because I was out of the picture because of how the party ended up getting split. Well, Mike did, he started passing me notes. So in a weird way, that kept me involved, even though I wasn't part of the story. That's a skill to be able to be like, and it's like I was being bored, I was just being patient, because I was like, well, it's not, I'm not involved. But I think it's a skill to be like, hey, let me engage this player, so you don't have the player that sits there for four hours just waiting for something to happen. And he even brought me back. Because he he asked me, like, you know, there's some things we're talking about, he's like, hey, do you want to go back? And I'm like, yes. 
So we were able to re-engage me in a story for the end. Right. The and way you deal with people around the table is definitely different than the way, like, when I was DMing. Um, and there would be times where, like, Nico was playing a sorcerer, necromancer, sorcerer, yeah. and he might be off on his own, and I would basically be focusing on you and Rob. And it's just because I don't have the experience and I don't have the, um, the thought that an experienced DM would have to notice right away, like, it's, I'm dealing with these two people mainly. I need to incorporate right. this, keep incorporating this person somehow to keep them in the game. And, and you do that. And I know Nico well enough from playing with you that I, I knew that you could handle that. Yeah. I, you know, there are other players, not necessarily at this table, but there are people I play with that you couldn't do that. If, if I left them alone Yeah, you long, have to always engage them, although otherwise you'll lose them. Right. think that the game sucks and that they'll say, you know what, I had a horrible time. Well, it, it comes back to the thought that everybody came here, made the time to come here. If they don't feel like they're involved, they feel like they're wasting their time. And then so as long as you can way. feel like you're... Right. you're time Did you ever feel like that here. in my game? Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, if but, you want my honest opinion on your games? No, go ahead. Say. I'm done. My honest opinion for your games is I felt you lacked confidence, especially in the beginning. And you kind of see how in the last game you were a lot more confident than you were in the first game. Um, and it's okay. Like One of the things you did is like, hey, I need to think about this or I need to research this. And that's fine. Um, after a while, you learn how to fake it as a DM. Because I would say 90% of the things that you plan do not actually take place. I'd say it's more than 90%. Uh, the way I actually... I, I, I wish I could show you how I actually write things down. I have certain NPC, like NPCs, like battles that I have, that I know that even if the player goes in a totally different direction, I can still have that battle. And while the battle is happening, I can start thinking about, okay, they're totally going, doing what I was not expecting them to do, so how can I make this cool to you to make them go back without feeling... Because it sucks when the DM forces you to go away, right? Yeah. Yeah. If he forces you to go a certain way, you're like, well, but I want to go left. He's like, no, you can only go straight. It's like, but why? You said this is the left door. Why can't I go there? And then it's like, oh, there's nothing there. It's like, but you're not letting me. Yeah. You I want agree to, with that. Why would I, I agree with that 100%. Basically, basically, as a DM, you're creating like a... Um, it's kind of like playing in the sun, right? You, you basically like you want to build something cool, but if people don't want to play with what you're building... You have two options. You either keep going for what you just built and people will have a bad time or you can just migrate what you're building to something that you guys will enjoy. Well, That's why I kind of let the players dictate I believe the, the biggest struggle with a new DM is, is is trying to create a game that's creative for everybody, especially when you're playing with uh, running a game for people who are experienced. Um, uh, you don't know all the rules. You don't know... Uh, you're not as experienced. You don't... You, you know... But as long as you're creative... And you understand that you don't know everything, and you create avenues for the group to choose, and you're prepared for these things. I think you can make a great game, even as a new DM. But the, that comes with experience, right. and it's you, all about you have creativity. To, um, knowing people's personalities helps a lot. Exactly. Knowing your group, uh, knowing what they like playing, or how yes. they like playing, um, listening to what they're they'll. Even if they're joking around, you can tell. Like if the car- if people start being out of character a lot, either it means they're not engaged, or maybe they're not interested in the story. It basically means you're doing something wrong. And people will make out of character comments, so sometimes they'll be confused out of character. That happens all the time. But I think you have to make sure that you're listening to how they're guiding things. Like, if you start doing something and you see them not liking it, you kind of make a mental note, mm-hmm. like, when I did this, this player acted this way, or this player didn't... Even, like, sometimes you see people stop talking. And that means, like, they either feel, like, overwhelmed because it becomes, like, too... Like, let's say they start talking about lore. Some people are all about the lore of D&D. They'll tell you, like, they'll see an NPC, like the one that Michael saw, and they'll be like, oh, I already know what this is. But most of the players on this table usually don't. And I actually, on purpose, actually, one of the things I've, I've done is I've never read a monster manual the entire thing. From D&D 1 to now, I've never done it. And the reason why is when I'm facing a monster, I want to not know what it does. Like, right. obviously, if you see a goblin, a goblin is always a goblin. It doesn't matter which version it is. But it's cool to see something like what we fought today. I have no idea what it's called. I have no idea what powers it had. But it was cool because if you kind of know, but even goblins have hit dice you can add or subtract, right? Or they can be archers or whatever. Well, one thing I wanted to mention just about the game tonight, um, and again, I don't want to get too much into the the D and D next play test, but one of the things that you brought up was I purposely separated the party twice, 
And I think as a new DM, that's a that's a bad thing to do. Yeah. You know, it's it's a an advanced technique. And I'm not even saying that I did it necessarily well, but for the sake of the story I'm telling, it made sense. Because I could have very easily changed the scenario a little bit, still had you guys fought the same monster, but kept you all in the same room. But for me as a DM, it was a hell of a lot cooler for this ghost guy to pull Omi through the wall and then have you break the wall down and then separate it. To me, that was a much cooler story. So I have a question. Go ahead, sorry. I have a question. What, that encounter was an awesome encounter. I really liked it, actually. I thought it was cool. Because we woke up. We didn't know what was going on, and basically we heard screaming behind a wall, and we had to try and get through that. But what if we didn't get? What if we would have rolled badly? We didn't get through the wall because um, listening to other other podcasts, something that they say in uh, they actually they said it in the exemplar DM that I just listened to, and they say it on the other one a lot is that they hate um, unnecessary encounters. If the encounter doesn't it doesn't exactly have something to do with the story, they hate it. So, in when we were in that encounter, I was thinking like, what if Omi dies behind this wall? What if we can't get the wall down? What if he dies back there? What would would you have let him die if his because he almost did? Yeah. Would you have just let it let him die and been like, well, it it, it is what it is. You guys didn't get through the wall in time and he's dead. Can I can I comment on that before yeah. you answer? Um, well, I think one thing you did do right was. Um, I love how you said that. Like there's only one. <laughs> no, but one. No, in this particular situation, one thing you did do right is you kept a second guessing. Um, there was the opening in the wall, but then you told us there was a voice telling us, you know what, you destroyed our pet. That there was a second threat, but not all of the group heard it. So there was two threats, but yet half the group only knew about it. And I think that was that was brilliant on your part because I think that um, that that gave half the group an extreme purpose and then the other half of the group an extreme purpose to say it simply. And I thought that was good. I think that that's how you should do it. I don't think that you know the people that get to the one enemy first should be the main people. But if you give them this alternative threat, then all of a sudden. Half the group's doing something important, and then the other half right. of the group's doing something important. I thought that was good. Yeah, yeah. You, you did it in such a way yeah. that we were all playing at the same time in the same initiative order. Exactly. So it wasn't like you did one battle and then the other one, because then it wouldn't have been as cool. But it was interesting, like, they were dealing with Omi, and I was trying to deal with the, the, the man that was floating, and I was like, wow, I can't hit him. And then when he hit me back, I was like... What am I going to do? Like, I can't... Mm-hmm. There's something I cannot kill, but it can kill me in four hits. So after two hits, I run. Oh, you guys were still trying to save Albany. Like, that's really what was happening. Yeah, and then that's why I let, jumped through the wall and tried to cut the guy. But I didn't know he was... Right, because you guys... Right. Yeah, because you guys I didn't know. Over. And then, you know, from the, from the meta game, I don't want to spoil too much of it, but, but to answer your question... Yes, I would have let Omi die, but afterwards, would you have been like, I like, the reason why I asked is kind of because like, I think in my game, I would have been too nervous to to put that, no, to put that encounter in there. Because what I thought from the, from my perspective on this side of the table was that the meet, seeing the guy or meeting the guy who took the key was probably very what it was a key part of the story that's going to come into play whatever either his race or his character you know he took the key we're going to have to find it or that had to happen yeah that the, that, encounter, the key element of that encounter was meeting the ghost mm-hmm. and then finding the room with well, the body but Those the, the monster had to but, happen. Fi- but what i was thinking was fighting this monster is just a distraction and what which I hope this doesn't come across like I'm saying that it was anything bad, because it wasn't. The whole encounter was awesome. My point is that in my game, I would have been really nervous to put that in there, because I would have been thinking, this monster doesn't really mean anything to the story. It has no place in the story. It's just a distraction. And if I kill one of the characters... What because of this monster, actually, they're gonna. It's gonna. They're, they're gonna be pissed because <laughs> just well, they died for nothing. I'm not trying to cut you off or anything, but uh, this 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 brings up a good question, and I don't. I, I want to divulge into your thought process. Was Omni the only one that was going to get grabbed no. from this wall? I, so it could have been anybody. If I, I, I wouldn't have passed out on Rexon. Yeah, I rolled it a D four, 
to determine who would have who would have gotten woken up, and it just happened to be okay, Comey. And that's exactly how I think it should be. Yeah, that's exactly how I think it yeah. should have been. If you, it, it, it just it, happens yeah, the, to be that Omni. The character, the, the, the character that of, got chosen was random, which is fine. But I'm saying it doesn't matter who got chosen. Well, anybody, think, but if I think it's important that the character that gets chosen is random. Right. I don't well, think, sometimes, yeah. sometimes though, it's good to, to get it. Sometimes you need to have a plot for a specific character to either appease their background or the player is something they like. I'm not saying make it cheesy because you always have the players that like to be gods. So don't don't give them like you know the holy hand grenade just because they want it. But yeah. you know if, if you fit with his backstory or like let's say let's say Evan got grabbed. That could have changed the story a little bit because then maybe the whole key exchange would have happened with us being on the other side of the wall. That could have been possible. Right. Or maybe he would be dead. But to kind of answer your question is I think you're seeing death as a, as a horrible experience. And in a way, it is for a player, especially if you're really attached to your character. But at the same time, I think it adds in realism. I really dislike it when a DM does not kill their players ever. I'm not saying go out of your way to kill it. Because if you want to kill players, you can do it like that. You know, you just summon... Like, a good example is in another game I was playing that Mike missed. This level 18 necromancer showed up and we were like level 6. He cast one spell. Two of the, two of the three people playing died. It was just one save, they died. That was it. That was like one of those fights that's like, it served no purpose. Well, it counts for some people in the story. But it's like, the, the power level unbalance was too huge. Like, you can't win against a level 18 Necromancer. Now, did we taunt him? Yeah, so it was kind of our fault. But the way it went down was like, we were trapped. We couldn't just leave right. a level 18 Necromancer. However, I don't think that fight was, was uh, unnecessary. And the reason why I say that is... Some players, including yourself, Evan, and Rob, need a battle to feel like they've accomplished something. So from that perspective, you almost always need to have a battle. Because if you don't, especially for like two or three games in a row, you guys will feel like you haven't fought anything and it's kind of weird. Well, that, that depends so, on the player. It depends on the player, that's what I'm saying. But I would um, agree with And I'm not even saying that's bad. It's yeah. just like, sometimes you need to have battle to kind of like change it from the story. And Mike, a lot of times, will, he'll have like pure story and that's fine. But that battle kind of made sense because in a way, even though that battle you can say was unnecessary, had intention. Because if that guy saw that and he was like, give me the key and we attacked him and nothing happened and you're like, here you go. And that's that exactly story the, would have been a lot different. Right. The two points about that I want to make is that I knew that you couldn't beat the ghost. Like that's part of the story is that he can become incorporeal at will, so you have no chance of beating him. So if he had just showed up and that was the only battle, you all would have felt basically impotent. So I wanted there to be an element of that battle that there was a creature that could be defeated. And on top of that, one of your comments during the last game is that you were killing stuff too easy because I had you fighting all the humans which are minions. So as part of the D and D next playtest, I wanted you to fight something that Absolutely. would take three or four rounds to see if it was still as much fun. And that's one of the questions I wanted to ask is, was that battle as much fun as killing minions? Because it took three or four rounds I and you had to hit for, it. For me, that was more fun. Because I, I like the element of danger in a game because then it makes you feel that the choices you make actually matter. And that kind of ties in with the... In, there's some groups that you'll never die. And if you know that you'll never die, you start doing silly things and you get, don't get punished for it. I think there's a very interesting balance of having a hard encounter that could kill you, but it's not too hard that it's impossible and it's not too easy that it becomes too simple. Now, sometimes you can have a simple encounter because it happens. Other times, like with D&D decks, and I did the exact same thing that Mike did, you start throwing some NPCs for people to fight just to see power levels and see how the battle resolves. For example, in my game, when the first fire battle, uh, fire, fire beetle, beetle. battle... That sounds weird. Fire beetle battle. Mm. Anyways, uh, the first in the first fight, it was like a test because I was like, by design, this is supposed to be considered easy because D and D next has easy, moderate, and hard. I went with an easy one first. And you guys almost died, and I was like, did they die because this is harder than I thought, or did they almost die because they didn't go first? Like you have to kind of analyze, especially in a new game, to see how it plays. Like Mike was saying uh, a while ago, like, hey, for him it's hard to play high-level games because he doesn't have enough experience with the battles. And it's true, because if you don't know how hard something can hit, you can kill... Like, it sucks when you kill the party because you didn't figure out that this was going to be a hard encounter. Right. And then on top of that, it sucks to be like, wow, it's going to be a hard encounter. And then the guy that's kicking your ass suddenly says, oh, I got to go, and leaves. Because then you're like, what? 
that's the whole you don't want to kill us and then it feels like there's no danger right. I think it's cool to feel it's kind of like a movie right in a movie if it was like Die Hard and he wasn't close to dying you're like wow it's, it's, it's like Rambo like, it's like watching Rambo 2 you know he's just like ridiculous I mean it's fun to watch but you're like alright seriously like he's not even in real danger like no one can hit him he's like a ninja right well, so, well the other thing I want to talk about that that I thought was interesting is it was random on who got picked to be awoken and I think it speaks to Rob and Omi's character that he went up and inspected the wall without waking you guys up. So in a lot of ways, it was still Rob's decision that led to him getting pulled in. Because like, if I hadn't woken you up, you might have woken everyone up. Said, "Hey, well, I, he was I, just I, playing his character yeah, the way he played." Exactly yeah. right. But well, so if you had been you, you might have woken everybody up. Like, hey, I just saw something. That's weird. And if you had done that, that would have been a totally different battle. Because rather than him getting pulled through the wall, which is fucking cool, which I, I was very happy that it happened that way, is I probably would have had the ghost bring that creature into the room to fight you as a group since you were all awake. Yes, there was still a player decision well, made. Yes. Well, just out of curiosity, just for, you know, the purposes of this session, um, what would have happened if we all would have, if he'd have woken up all of us, what would you have done? Yeah, the, the, the ghost would have brought that creature into the room. So he would just randomly pick that one person, and then everybody still would have been on the other side. No, no, no. Oh. He would have brought the bad, the, the creature that you fought. Oh, me going to the creature, the creature. No, let's say all us. of us woke up, like, at that night. Let's say Omni woke all of us up and said, hey. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We all would have been awake in the room, and it, and it, and that the, the mystery guy that we couldn't kill, he would have... Well, um, so the hand that came through. Right, right. That right, was right. the mystery guy. I take right, it. yeah. Gone he, the instead of picking one of us and taking it to the creature, mm-hmm. it would have taken the creature to bring it to us. Right. The room so, yeah, us. so it was the okay. fact that he went there, which in my head is what I wanted. Because I, I, the whole time I was doing this encounter, I like, I want someone touching the wall because I just want to see that, you know, kind of scary moment. But there were a couple things I also did. And again, we're kind of getting away from the, the point of the Didn't you the have question. questions? <laughs> I did. Oh, this is getting to the point. This is well, good. But, um,. <sighs> I did cheat for Rob quite a lot because I didn't want him to die. Okay, that well, that's but, kind of my point. But, okay, now but he still could have. Like, I wasn't going to just say Rob can't die here. But if you guys really paid attention, there were a couple times where the monster didn't do any damage. It just it grabbed him or pulled him tighter or moved him around. Because I was trying to build tension, which I thought I did. did. So now, who's, who's, now, whose fault is that? Is that yours or is that Rob's? Poor. What's that? The, the fact that he you had to keep saving him. Well, no, I didn't keep saving him. There was just a couple of times. Basically, I just well, you, slowed you it said down. you had to cheat. Whose fault is that? Is that his or is it yours? It's, or is no it's just random. Yeah, it just is random. No, yeah, because no I would have let he, him die. Like it, it, it wasn't a decision that well, Rob I, when he die. went When he went to negatives, he, he no longer controls it. Rob is the one that's rolling the dice to see if he's going to get damaged or not. I think so. Mm-hmm. At that point, and I don't, I don't think it was Mike's fault. Sometimes well, I don't think that either. I'm yeah, just, yeah. I'm just sometimes, asking a general question. Sometimes, and I, and I, I obviously I'm pro death, but um, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> yeah, pro life, pro death. <laughs> yeah, I'm pro death when it comes to PCs, but sometimes you have to change the story so that it kind of fits better with the plot. Um, like for example. When you guys were fighting those, uh, what was it, Nulls or whatever, the third encounter you fought in my game, I wasn't planning to have a tent there. But I was like, you know what, these guys are going to keep going and kill themselves, and I don't want to kill them in my first session, because, and I kind of told you out of character that, like, you guys, you know, might have to keep going. But I was like, you know, if I put a tent there, the probability that they're going to rest there is, is high. However, mm-hmm. and we still don't know, if you guys keep going, you'll probably die. Well, yeah. But and how does that fine. make you look as a DM if you kill people in your first session? doesn't make you look very good. No, well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> if, 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 people, if, if Nico's play, playing that game, he's what? like, I love this DM. Yeah, but because he's awesome. I love dying. I, he basically said, if you keep going, you could die. If I then, as a player, say I'm going to keep going and I die, it's my fault. Uh, it's not his. That's, this happened in my. Well, I, well, I heard one, your warning, and I was a little confused at the point. I was like, okay, he's warning us we could die. Well, here's the it's thing: it's going to influence I, my decision. I don't really oh, know. The, the reason why I do that, and I've done that before, is if I think that the probability of death is like 95 percent mm-hmm. for the entire party, I'm like. I need to make sure they understand the severity of the situation. Because sometimes when you're describing a situation, people are like, okay, it's dangerous. I want to be like, no, no. Well, I mean it when yeah. I say it's dangerous. Well, I, I don't think people in this podcast are going to know what your session is. I don't know if they'll listen to the podcast before this. But my character was the the, the go-getter. The, the But 
it turned out that Michael's character was the more I want to go forward character. So my character was like, well, maybe we should think about this, even though he was supposed to be the one that was like, yeah. let's go. Well, because I'm playing my guy like he knows what's well, going know. on. And, and, yeah. and, but my character respects his character, so I was like, okay, well, let's just think about this. And I was like, <laughs> right. all right, well, let's just do it. But and, I mean, that's fine. Like, and, 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 but, and but then you gave us that warning, and I was like, uh, I don't know yeah. what to. So, but the do point I wanted to get DM told us not to and about only with, with and, dying because because Rob said something, and I want to make sure I address it with him at some point through email or at the game. He's like, I guess I must not be playing Omi the way Michael likes. Like he was sort of like. You know, am I getting picked oh, on? Because no, that's, 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 no, that's because he's a new player, so he doesn't. Well, but but he should be playing Omi the way he wants to play Omi, not the way the DM wants to right. play. And I and love Mike, the way I he's playing I, Omi. I, I don't think Mike wants to play him play the certain way. No, that that was not a punishment. Well, no, but again, no, it, no, for the for the story to be served, because that's the joy that I get out of DMing is telling the story and helping create it. If I could say that I know Rob the best out of the people here, I would say that you're looking way like Rob uh, just made a. Comment just to maybe get a smile or a laugh out of you, mm-hmm. and you're actually looking, put trying to put yeah, some insight on it. Yeah, I think he's just been on the short and, end of the stick. And, and uh, he, I, I, I would say yeah. that he probably didn't mean okay. anything well, I, serious. And I just want to make sure because I don't want him to think that I am actually punishing him as a player or as a character because it was random luck that it was him or unluck, you should, you should say. And I would have let him die if it had just come down to it. But to me, it was more about creating that because I, in my head, I wanted that cool scene where. Somebody was trapped on the other side of the wall. I knew you were going to be strong enough to break it down. I, you know, I, I saw all that. I happening didn't think tonight. so, honestly. When you went up to the wall and you were like Earthbreaker, I was like, he really is going to kill. <laughs> I wanted you to do it without the Earthbreaker. In my head, that's why I saw you just like using your body more than your weapon. But either way, I created a situation where I divided the party. There was a lot of danger. I thought there was a lot of tension, so it, it succeeded in you, that regard. You could have forced me to not swing Earthbreaker by saying the ceiling is too low. Well, I, did, I told you it almost broke the first time. That, that was my clue is that well, the, from, the from weapon my perspective, was, And then you were destroyed it anyway. Yeah, I did. From my, from, Which, Grixel, from Grixel's then perspective, then he was like, I need to save this person. Mm-hmm. If it destroys uh, basically a piece of wood, right, then it's okay. I can just get another one. It's not like it would be hard. To, it's not like I have some exquisite weapon. That's why initially I said should I use his sword. Then you're yeah. like, yeah, what's your, instead of Earthbreaker, what's your next limb going to be called? Oh, it's still going to be called Earthbreaker. It's still no, it should be have so, it should Earthbreaker be like version two point yeah. oh. Moonbreaker. Moonbreaker. <laughs> yeah. All right. So again, we got a little bit life taker. You had some questions you wanted to ask. Yeah. Session. Well, I wanted specifically for for Evan and for you. Yes. Uh, and more for you. Just, I want to talk just because because uh, it's been most recent. <laughs> so what was it? That made you want to be a DM. Like, what was that spark where you just like oh, woke up? Question. You had a dream. You read a novel, and you're like, "I have a story to tell." Like, I want to. I want to talk about how that happened. I think. Okay, I was thinking about this, and I think it's a. I don't know if I would say it's a vanity thing, but it might be kind of a, a vain thing. It, it's all. It, I think that it's all about try, sati- my sat- own satisfaction, which I'm sure. I think when you DM, it's about your me. own satisfaction. Oh, it's, about me. Mm-hmm. it's and this is what I kind of relate it to. Like I love uh, giving something to people that gets a reaction out of them. So I love to cook. I cook all the time, and when I cook, I cook big meals and I cook complicated things. And never, I cook never cook for me. I cook big pieces of meat. I'll cook a big piece of meat for well, you. Well, you did grill out the, for our Saturday game. Yeah, that, that was, was that was the first time. Okay, and that, that was, was really good burgers. But that was simple. But that was simple. Okay, just for, like on a whim for no reason, just as a test, I roasted a six-pound pork shoulder in my oven like two weeks ago, and I <laughs> I ate cold pork for a week. Okay, I just love to cook. But really, the reason why I like to do it is because I like to cook for people. I like to have people over to the house, cook for them, give them food. See the reaction on their face, and it's a vanity thing because I want to hear him go, "Damn, man, this is really good!" Like, I, so it's something that I created, you know, and gave to them. So with that story thing, it's like, yeah, I have an idea for a story, and I'm thinking to myself, like, I wonder, I want to, I think that I could really show this story to people and they would really like it and I want to get that reaction out of them just like you know with the cooking so I wish I could have been in one of your games it was it's basically it's basically like that because like I just have an idea for a story that I think is cool and I think uh, somebody else is going to think it's cool so I want to give them the story 
And I, the whole time I'm DMing is basically like, I am looking for that reaction. I'm looking for that bite. I'm looking for that bite of food that makes them go, well, oh, if you man, don't mind this me is asking, really good. Uh, not to cut you off, and I apologize. Uh, how much time did you spend on making your session? Well, maybe just your first session. The first session, I probably spent a total of like a good 10 or 12 hours of planning. Wow. For the first session. After that, it all went to shit. <laughs> okay? Okay. So I, th- I felt like in my sessions, I felt I started strong in the middle. I felt like I, I just completely fell apart mm-hmm. and I lost confidence. Well, this, I was scared. I was scared to, hear, to come and DM. I, I would actually be interested to hear what their reaction was to the first session as opposed to the other sessions. I was scared to, to come and DM. Uh, I was, I was like, it was, I don't know what, it was, like, it was a lack of confidence, and if I could, so like, from that experience, I, it's one thing for somebody to give you advice if you're a new DM. It's one thing for somebody to say, look. Every, because this is what Nico and Michael and people would mm-hmm. say. They say, look, you can plan all you want, but the players are never going to do exactly what you want. Now, as a new DM who's never done it before, it's easy to hear that, but that doesn't take any of the nervousness away, and it doesn't take any of the... Because you've never... It do, that doesn't make any difference, well, because you've never, you been, you've never been in the situation You can be a DM of, for 25 years and still get feedback like that. Yeah, but... Let's say like Michael has had a really busy work week. He hasn't had time to plan, but he knows we're coming Tuesday night. He's not going to cancel, you know, our D and D game because he's had a busy work week. Mm-hmm. So he has the confidence to sit down at the table and be a little bit nervous, but not not nervous like I was. Like, are you ever nervous, Mike? Mm-hmm. You are. Mm-hmm. So so what? But, at, but I didn't even want to come to your house. <laughs> What, what does it take to build that confidence? I guess that's the question. Just experience. Experience. Yeah, yeah. experience. Exactly. It's like, I think, the D, I I think that DMing is like having to get on a stage in front of an audience and act. But if you or, don't go through that first stage of nervousness, I, 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 you never build that experience. I, I think you're making it sound worse than it is for people that have never DMed. I don't, oh, no. I'm not trying to No, no, no. no, no, I, no I, it's, just, it's not like I would not be able to sing in front of a crowd. Actually, even when I was a little kid, I would, like, turn red just talking in class. And it's, like, people I knew. But I think in a smaller group, the way I perceive it is I'm hanging out with a bunch of guys, and I think they're kind of cool. Yes. Kind of cool. Let me stress that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the um, exclusion uh, um, uh, I think they're kind of cool, and it's, like, I have a story to say. And it definitely you do get feedback from them. I, I think the thing I would like to tell you is you're going to always judge yourself Harsher than anyone else as a DM, I and agree. that's also implied. Like I'm in upper management, so I deal a lot with managing people. And you look back and you're like, "Wow, no matter what I choose, people will get upset." I think DM is kind of the same way. Like sometimes you have to make hard choices, but the more you play, the more experience you get, the more you can fake it in such a way that no one will know. But I, I um, also, I'm not trying to interrupt you or anything, no, but, but um, I, I also think that role playing in general, whether you're a DM or a role player, is, is, you know, you have this comfort zone, it's a circle around you, and it's expanding that comfort zone. And the more you expand it, the better role player and also the better DM and you become. To, it's a social contract. Yes. Like, you guys came to my house tonight to play D&D, and you knew that... I might not be as much prepared as I would like, and I may not provide the exact session that you want, but you pretty much said, I'm going to make the best out of it, and I'm going to try to have fun ways to make it fun. Is and that, that's what I kept saying about your game, is, yeah, is that, that I had yeah. fun well, every game you but every But everybody is different. And just because you're saying, like, I think, I think you're... I don't remember what you said just, like, two minutes ago, but you said, like, <laughs> I think you're... I think you're paint, making it to be too big of a deal. Yeah. Okay, but... Every everybody is different. You're saying that you couldn't sing or even talk yeah, in front of a class of people. I was in a I was in a band and, and kind of in a band now and in my, my old band I was a lead singer and I've never had a problem getting on a stage and singing in front of people. I've like in Cal I, in when I lived in California we went out to bars and played shows and I yeah. always just stood there I don't but, know why it's but, different. But for that's me. what you're getting on stage to do. When you're role playing, that's not necessarily what you're here to do is to sing. Like if you're playing a bar and you getting, sing but for not me, all the time. For me, get sitting down at the DM table would be like getting on stage and not knowing 
knowing what the song or the lyrics is going to be. Right, but that passes. I mean, it's it's all getting out. Once you get past a certain point, once you start seeing PCs interacting with what you're giving them, you'll start gaining that confidence, and then it will just go from there. I don't. I'm not saying that like I that it scared me so much that I don't want to do it anymore, but. I was. I just. I think you should do it even more. It, I'm saying I was so scared. It was unexplainable. Like even when I look back, like I look back on it, and I'm like, I don't. I can't tell you why I was that scared. I think it was because it was a scare of like letting. When when I go through the whole week, and like th- this morning, I wanted to send you a text message or an email and say, I'm really. Ex- I am really really excited for tonight's game, and I wanted to be like. Is any are there going to be any surprises in store or like I just like I but I di- I didn't want to make you feel like uh, I was waiting I had to have this big show tonight right. you know I just, so I didn't send that to you and that's kind of like the week leading up to when I'm going to DM yeah. I'm scared that because people are like looking forward to playing that night and I'm scared that I'm not going to deliver and I'm scared that I, that they're going to be walk away from my 4 hour session and be like like, like that yeah. wasn't even fun well, that was a waste of time it's like riding a bike you a, can watch people theory. ride bikes all day but until you actually get on the bike and ride it, you're never going to know what it's like. It's like you can see everything they're doing right, everything they're doing wrong. But until tell you, you get hey, on the bike and do it yourself, you're yeah. just not. You just got to keep doing it. They can even tell you. They can never tell you like lean so. to the left when you're trying to fall. You know, and, yeah. and you'll be like, "Oh, that makes sense." But then when you do it yourself, see, for me, when I go to a game, I perceive it like going to a friend's house to watch a movie that you haven't heard anything about. So you're like, man, this could suck, it would be cool, but usually what he chooses is kind of cool, and I enjoy the movies he likes, so hopefully what the movie he's all excited about is going to be a movie I'm going to enjoy. But maybe you won't. Like, no one, I've never met a DM that can have an excellent game every single session. That's impossible. Never happens. I think maybe one guy, and that guy was exceptional, because you will see some, like, grand gems that you're like, wow, I wish I had some skills. Like, any other thing you do. But you know what? Those DMs usually have been planning for years and years and years. Like the one I'm thinking about, he used to be a voice actor, so his voices were spectacular. Because that's what oh, he did. Are you saying my Batman for every bad guy voice <laughs> isn't great? <laughs> no, but swear to me, but like, that's all I do every time. <laughs> but uh, he he was very involved in his game. He would write down like three page descriptions about the dungeon you were supposed to go in. And you're like, wow, this is amazing. Um, he was great. But, I mean, he kind of had the advantage because his job was part of what he was doing. He was just using the same skills. Mm-hmm. If I could use my mind's skills, I would be told a different story. I would destroy this game, but uh, well, destroy it well. Yeah. But um, the other thing I was going to say was um, you have to expect that you, some of the games are going to be kind of okay, some games will be good, and sometimes you will try and experiment and it will totally flop. And to give you an example, the... Not this day, well, three games ago when I did the I did the kind of like homebrew desert environment that was based on an anime called Fist of North Star. I was kind of wanting to have the players go through the, basically the anime for very short, very short description is there's this guy he comes back his wife his wife or fiance has been like taken away by this bad guy in this like post-apocalyptic environment with desert he like goes around he like fights a bunch of different people and he gets some like little kids that follow him around and he's basically trying to find his wife which happened to be Mike's character even though he wasn't doing the fist that makes heads explode <laughs> I thought that was going to be an awesome idea because I'm like hey we have post-apocalyptic environment um there's a lot of fights because it's an anime. There's like fights every game, so it's going to be interesting. And I already know the plot because I've already watched like 150 episodes. I can run this forever. That was the theory. In practice, I think the players have fun, and Mike can say otherwise if he wants to. I think the players have fun, but in reality, the plot that I had in mind based on the anime and what actually happened is like if I show you the episodes, Mike, you'll be like, wow, the, only, yeah. the first episode makes sense. Everything else, we well, didn't even see. That was the next question I had for Evan. So I, you go first, I'll, and I want to ask the question. Just one quick thing, and this is if you're if you're harshly honest with me, that's only going to help. Okay? I will be. That's what, well, you one of my favorite sayings is: positive feedback makes me happy, negative feedback or critical feedback makes me better. So I'm all about it. You are. Everybody has what their own thing that they like out of a game, right? 
Was in my game, was there ever that moment where you took the bite and went, oh man, this is really good? And if not, what would have, what um, could have I had, been? I, that? I, I, three moments came into my head immediately. Um, your first game, when our character started interacting, I thought that was really cool, especially with the bully situation. It was like, so in your first. So the way it started out, basically, for the, for the people that we weren't recording back then, is like the three PCs were walking around and we see this bully hitting on this chick that we kind of like. And it was like, that kind of allowed us to introduce our personalities without having a battle. Because we didn't try to kill him while I put him to sleep. But even that was displaying my personality of like, they were working back and because I was kind of like a necro emo boy, I was like walking behind them and I was saying, I'm following you, but I'm not following you. You just happen to be walking where I'm going. Was kind of that bite the fact that I let you just go sleep? And it- no, well, no, it was the setup. Because oh, okay. you allowed me to do whatever. Because mm-hmm. if you remember, Mike did his thing. I did my thing, so it kind of allowed us to do things. Yeah, you pants. Did you guys have yeah. brat backgrounds uh, prior to the session? No, a little bit. A little bit. We kind of made them up, but it's not like they weren't given. Just the, they, they grew, grew, Just that they were three teenagers. But you knew that grew your character going into the game. Right, they had, had a little bit of training from um, somebody. That in the was town. the one. The other one no. was the setup in the battle that we're like preparing the villagers for this big battle. You know, the more I'm talking about it, the more mm-hmm. the cool things I remember. Uh, we're preparing for the battle, but we know the, the other people are just like villagers. That they're not, they have, don't have any fighting skills. And then we see this huge army approaching. And in my head, I was like, in my head, I was like, oh, God, are we going to make it? Like, that's cool. And I also like your ice giant. The ice giant that showed up, and we started getting really cold and snowing, and they slowly started to melt. Like, I know that's not written on any monster manuals, but that was awesome. Because you felt like, hey, I'm making progress, but he's not there. And in the end, one of his legs broke, which was cool, and he fell down. We're like, like that felt like a real battle, if that makes any sense. I, I also like how you visually represented that by having you had two stacks yeah, of, like, that was awesome. of poker chips, and you kept, and was, like, lowering was, one side. I just thought that it was, was a yeah, great That visual. made a great visual. I yes. totally agree. I the other thing I liked was when uh, Mike was in prison and we were trying to save him. I thought that was well done, too. Um, and to kind of add to my judgments, because I said the good stuff, your confidence definitely dropped. Oh, yeah. And in a weird way, when once you started talking about it, I actually have forgotten about this, because it's kind of like your mind plays tricks on you. I thought that you were always like, were lacking confidence, but now that I think about it, I'm actually wrong. The first game, you were confident. The second game, at some point, you got stuck because you didn't know how to handle something, and I think you had to talk to Mike back then to like clarify something, which is fine, but that's when I saw like a visible drop in what you were presenting. And the funny thing is, we were having fun. But I know. The, there was a disconnect but, between... I felt like, going back, Michael's always said, like... I'm always having fun, and on the other side of the table, like, I was oh so I was so right. scared and nervous that I wasn't having fun. You you like you know how like when you hang out with friends and you say something stupid, they might pick on you if they want to, but they kind of like let it slide because you know you just said something that you didn't really mean. Um, I think no, I don't know what that's like. No, <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> well, what I would say is but, that you talked about like like the movie analogy. You know, like I don't know what this movie is going to be like, but my friend says it's awesome, so I'm excited. Some of my probable most memorable moments with my friends is watching a terrible movie together, you know, or going camping and it's just raining and we're cold and miserable. We can't get a fire started. Uh, that's what makes the story. Right. That's, that's kind of the bonding I, I moment. I don't think a good story is 100% on a DM, though. I think the role oh, play yes. the Absolutely. I a lot of it. I and mean, that's, if I could say, uh, I'll let you go finish ahead. it. No, I'll, go ahead. I was just making a point. I was just going to say, like, if I put a piece of advice through from this, it would be that you don't need to worry so much about showing up with your, with, like, my worry was how am I going to get my players through this part of the story that I want to happen tonight? And because I didn't have the confidence in myself to just let the story go by itself and let the players who are supposed to be writing the story. It's their decisions that make the story. I didn't have the confidence to be able to just react to their decisions and let the story flow that way. Yeah, I mean, I've said this a million times, and, and Michael has probably heard me say this a million times, is it's the creating the illusion that of choice. Well, you, and, and it's that it's you want the players to make the choices you want them to make, but without them knowing that those are the choices you want them to make. It's like a good magician. I, I, you yeah, look where I want you to look. Yeah, it's like, well, you can go up to the mountain, 
But you see the sparkly crystal to the right. Well, you know, and so what do you want to do? If you go up the mountain, you can. And then you got to play. What's over there? there? A dragon. Well, what's over there? A well, I tell you, what's well, over there? I, I, well, no, no, it's not like that at all. It's but, not like that at all. What was funny about all of that is the whole point of the battle tonight. One was to meet mm-hmm. the ghost, and two was to find the bodies. And there was a moment where I started to panic because when you left the the shit covered room, I'm like, fuck, they're not going to search that room. Yeah, like that was the whole point. Was you, when you—that's where the bodies were. Yeah, so, they, they were in a, a room. Yeah, off he of decided that. to oh. run away from the beginning and not crush the wall, and we couldn't get to well, the wall. My character would have gave up and ran. That's well, because but here's the thing. But see, my, so, if we did that, Mike, if he wanted to, could have let us come across it in a different way. Yeah, I would have just like, put it somewhere just, else. What, like as we were walking out, you could have been like, you noticed something over here, right? right. And that's what and I would have done. But in my head, the whole time is that was the whole point of that battle was to show you that room, and I was like, ah. Crap, they're not going to search the room. And this has to so do thank with, you for searching with experience. And the other one is when I create a plot for my story, I write an outline. I don't write a story. The reason why I do that is if it's an outline, I basically have like reminders to myself like, hey, you want to. I kind of have an idea of how I want the game to go. So I'll, I'll write down like room number one has this, room number two has this, room number four has this. They're going to go through here and kind of discover this. But sometimes the players won't go where you want them to go, so you can reappear that section of your outline somewhere else, and you can still engage. Or sometimes, like the, that, that post-apocalyptic game I was telling you about, they went in totally wrong direction, and it didn't matter where I was trying to guide them. They were going where they wanted to. And I could either say no, or I could just go with it, and I went with it. Um, and the other thing I wanted to point out, because you were talking about the illusion of choice. There is a little bit of an illusion of choice, because you mention one thing, like, oh, you see a broken window. And players will might be like, broken window, and they'll go for it. But you can run a game like an amusement park, which everybody's like along for the ride, and you're taking control of the ride. Or you can run, run it like a sandbox, which you say, hey... You have sun. Let's make something. You well, yeah, I d- and, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I do feel like I need to make a point. I don't mean it like, oh, everybody's good. Oh, there's a woman screaming for help. Everybody go this, you know. I don't mean it like that. Okay, I what I mean you. is like the illusion of choice is like, okay, the characters do this, this, and this. You make the next session based on their decisions. And it's because of their choices, but in reality, it's getting to us. And, and, and the worst thing, and Mike has experienced this as well, I know, you leave the game, and the last thing people say is like, oh, I'm planning on doing this. And then the next game starts, and you have this whole plot for where they were going to go, mm-hmm. and they're like, no, actually, we're going to live through the back. And you're just like, well, but you're supposed to go through the door. But that's, okay. that's what you're thinking in your head. And you're like, what do I do now? Do I fake the entire thing, or do I just move my story to a different location right. so you can still engage. And that's one reason why I like the emails that I want to try to get to kind of make that a normal session that you guys tell me. One, it helps with role playing because I want to get one from your character's perspective, but it helps me figure out what you guys want to do. So you had your Just to in. cap on that and then go on to your next question, um, you were saying that you were nervous that we weren't going to search that room. Yes. And you were saying that like if you... If players are in a room and you say, "Well, there's a broken window," then they're automatically going to go, "Oh, why is that window broken?" Sometimes, not well, always. My like your my thought of why we were in that room was because Omi was getting attacked, and I wasn't thinking of there's another reason. My only thought process was like, "I'm trying to save Omi and get him out of right. that room." Oh wait, what and room? I never would have. I seriously, if never would have searched that. What room, room are you talking about? The room with the people chained up, or the room where well, the room you found the room of the people chained up inside? Is the that crap the room you're room. talking about? Yes. Okay. I, I, yeah, that was I the room. He was nervous room. that after we killed that monster, we you weren't going to search that room oh, or anything. And I seriously wouldn't have because my I'm saying like he's saying you show you say, tell players the, there's a broken uh, window. Yeah. My broken window was Omi getting attacked. Yeah. So my so when Omi was saved, I was ready. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that character choice but there was that moment of panic I'm like well, crap they're not going to because that's just a like typical D&D and thing it's a cliche maybe I could have found it right it's like one yeah. of those things that you can always reintroduce the st- if it's important for the story you pretty much kind of want to introduce it otherwise the story won't go anywhere Yeah. so you kind of have to present those elements to tell your story but at the same time you never know what the players will do. There's been situations... Like, uh, in my game, the post-apocalyptic game, again, because it made a huge impression to me. There was this church, and there was this old man that came out, and he got killed by the PCs. So I was like, 
these people are becoming an evil party. So this this concept will not work. Like you don't expect an old man coming from a church to get attacked, but he was. <laughs> so what do you do then? You say no, the old man kills you. It's like no, he was just a random dude. He literally just got shot in the eye, and that was it. Or in another situation, there was this kid that was supposed to guide him through the city and like you know take him to a point. Well, one of the PCs was like he was having disguises and one of the PCs was like is he making fun of me he rolled a one and even though he was I was like yes so he hits him with his shield and basically made the guy pass out because he was just a random kid NPC that was level zero so then I was like well what am I going to do now like th- there goes the guiding you through the city and I was still planning on having like guards after them so I engaged the guards after them without the kid and they just didn't know where they were going right, we just ran away which but, I still remember that, that game because it was still it's probably the favorite PC I've played in quite a while was that game. Artie the Artificer. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with him. Uh, well, he, he killed people a lot. Randomly. Well, this also involves with... Um, one of the things I've noticed is people that DM a lot make slightly crazy characters. Because you start getting... And this is also with experienced players, too. Because they are so used to the game, it's kind of like watching the same type of movie over and over again. You kind of know how it goes. So it's still... Because you know you can't change the story. You change your personality. So you like... Like you've played a mute. You've played a crazy guy that was setting things on fire. Um... What else have you played? Well, don't look at me. You wanted, you wanted to play a drunk driver that had to drink to drive. Yes. But we, that never happened. And I sat down on that idea because I was afraid that was going to make the game too silly. Um, but it's like, that happens. Like, I think... Yeah, I, I think, the I think you're exactly right the way you said that is, as a player, I don't feel that I can control the story, but I can control how my character right. reacts to the story. So you make it... Those it, interesting personality quirks allow me to react. In which the, I think is why I like Grixel, because... I can't be the logical leader guy. And the first character I ever played with you was Grok. That was the the cook. That was they're not similar, but they have similarities in the whole. He was more like protective and stuff. But because of that, like for me, it feels cool because I, I get to. Sometimes people will naturally listen to you because you are the experienced player. So when you say something, they'll be like, "Oh, I need to do that." So playing a silly character that removes me the option of like forcing things. And I kind of like that you guys ignore me when I ask for different stuff. Because that means the responsibility does not lie on me. So, if you're playing Grexel and say, his game, or say, Evan's game, would you play him differently? No. Based on the experience? No, my personality would not be different. I would just be be more tolerant of Evan trying to figure things out. Because I think we all understand we've all been there. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, think of, been there. it's not that's just it's obvious. not just being DM. That applies yeah. to all skills, right? When yeah. when you're teaching your little kid how to cook, you know they're going to make an omelet with the egg cells in there. Yeah. You know that's just going to happen. <laughs> there, yeah. Not my kid. All right. So the, one of the other questions I want to ask you specifically is: so when you designed your story, you you told me that it was basically like a trilogy. Mm-hmm. You, you had these three sort of specific arcs. That the story would progress, and we even decided after the end of the last game, which was the complete. I hope you guys go back to it because that that we're going to jump in the future a few levels Mm -hmm. uh, to kind of get sort of. And when you go back to it, I want it to be more of like a sandbox where you just know that there's somebody in this other world, but you're just going to appear in this other world, and you can just use whatever means you want, do anything you want to try and find this person. So my, my specific question, though, is, is when you created that arc, you pretty much had the beginning and you kind of had the end. It was the middle that you kind of had to flesh out as mm-hmm. we went. So how did that series of games go versus what you thought was going to happen or you expected to happen or what you wanted to happen? And was how did just uh, like when you envision sessions? Like yeah. we played a half a dozen sessions. Like yeah, how did they when go? You started the story. You're like, okay, I know they're going to start as kids in the village. I know they're going to end up fighting demons. Steps. How far off of that did we get in the middle, based on the characters that we chose to play? And did that influence? Like, if I had decided to be a barbarian, the characters that you chose to play didn't have any effect or influence on on uh, how far you got in the story. Basically, like um, I. Didn't ever see the story ending where it did. Uh, I saw it playing out to the end, which I don't want. Which you know what the end would be because I explained the way the universe works mm-hmm. to you, but nobody else does. And I saw it playing out to the very end. Okay. But then after like 
we played. I don't know how many games we played total, but maybe we, let's say we played seven or eight games total. Um, we we decided that we were going to stop that and pick up something else. And I was just at a point where I was like, I didn't. What, what it became a trilogy halfway through because halfway through I realized how long it was. Mm-hmm. So I started with one story, and I was thinking you guys would play all the way to the end. But then, like, halfway through, we started to get... And let's say five game, five or six, we started talking about maybe doing something else. And I was like, well, they're 20 games away from finishing the story, maybe. So I had to come up with something... A logical endpoint. Endpoint here. And then that's... When I came up with that endpoint, then I started to think, okay, well, it took them seven or eight games to get to this point. Let's say it takes them eight or ten games to get through this point. Then it started to become a trilogy. Then I saw the chapters yeah. afterwards. But that's but, why I think it's important to de- to declare how many sessions you want from the beginning. Uh, like see, well, in, with you, mine, I, there's no way I could have... He, 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 a, he didn't have the experience to know how many sessions it would take. Well, B, I understand that. B, even if you have an exact number, you kind of... You pigeonhole yourself because if you say, "Hey, it's going to take six games to finish," and the and the PCs do something totally you don't expect, then suddenly you're a game behind. So what are you going to do? Are you going to cram more stuff in your next session? What if in the next session something else happens? Because I truly will say, half of the game that you play is things that you don't expect the players. To well, if, if if the sessions do get off course and they do do other things, and after that six sessions they're not where you want them to be, you explain that to them. You say, "Hey." We're not where I so wanted then, to be. So, so We're that, at six sessions. So Do that, we want to continue? Right. So at that point, I mean, why you declare a time? Well, because you've got to have a time frame so that you know where your starting point is and where your ending point is. What, what is it where they need to be? When I kind you of agree in? with both of you in different. Like, I, I usually don't do that for the most part. Well, like, I, mean, I start a game and it's just it'll go until everyone dies or till I get to a part and I get bored. So you you know what the beginning and the end is in your campaign you're doing now. Okay, but sort you of. don't know how many sessions that could be. Right. It could be one or it could be right. 20. But I do like well, the idea I of saying... I think he knows it's not going to be one. But you know it's going to be a while. Yeah. But I think to your point, what I would say, rather than saying, okay, this number of sessions, just saying, hey, I want to run for two months every week or four months every other week. And I know by then I'm probably going to want to take a break. So we're going to play this game for four months every other week. And regardless of where you guys are at, I want to stop at that point rotate to something else let me Which, you've done that before so I, from that standpoint I do like the idea of setting like an end point and if it goes one session longer because I want to get to a cool moment or it goes one short session shorter because we're at a cool moment I'm like I don't want to just add an epilogue to this I think that's okay to adjust it a little bit on the fly but well, I actually like the idea the of starting to add the reason why table. I say that is because I've ran like I have part one part two part three and then each part has like six chapters and I've ran it all the way up to part three, and it's ran over and beyond or under the amount of sessions I thought it would be. But when they get to that pivotal point, it goes on to the next part. But it's once I get to part three, I've noticed that the session has kind of lost its luster because I've planned it from the beginning, and we're now there, as opposed to playing it from session to session to session to session. And I think there's just different, different styles of DMing. I don't yeah. know if one's better or one's right. The only, the only thing, uh, I don't necessarily think that you should put it up front and say, okay, we're going to play this until, like right now it's October, we're going to play this till February, and then in February mm-hmm. we're going to stop. One is because I kind of feel like it's, it's kind of like if I look at um, a movie online before I go to the movies and I see, okay, this hour, this movie is an hour and 45 minutes long, at like an hour and 35 minutes, if my wife goes, do you think this guy would die? I'll be like, no, there's only 10 minutes left in the movie. He can't die. Right. Or, or, something like, or if something like, big happens, it's kind of like watching CSI. If they figure out who the bad guy is in the first 10 minutes, you're like, that's not the guy. It's not right, really because, the bad guy. It's someone right. else. Because so, you know you have 50 more minutes. They have to come up with something. Right. So that's kind of like that. But then the other thing is that I don't... I mean, you may get players... You may start a story and your players may... You might say in the beginning, hey, we're only going to play this till February. So you plan your story... To only go till February. Mm-hmm. But you might get your players, like in this game, as long as I still love playing my character and your story as much as I do right now, I just want to keep playing this. Well, that's because great. I'm having that much fun. But as a DM, 
as long as you're okay with that, then that's great. My point to that was going to be was that I just think it takes um, a DM with enough confidence and players with enough trust between you and the DM to, to be able to say, we're getting a little bit bored. Like, don't put a time limit on it, mm-hmm. but your players should trust, should know that you're not going to get offended. Mm-hmm. Me, as a first-time DM, if you would have came to me and said, we're getting a little bit bored and we want to wrap this up, I would have been like, oh my god, I'm such a, I'm a failure. <laughs> the one but, thing that I've noticed from this group is that we're low levels. We're from level one to three. Now, let's say, let's move it up to level eight. How does that change it? Uh, I think for Edward it would be overwhelming to go to level. Well, yeah, of course. With, with, with well, I'm not. I don't know if I. All, I'm, I'm not sure that I understood what you. Yeah, I don't. Wanted. I don't know that I understand the question. Well, either. let's say that you you do the same thing that you're doing now, but we're level eight, and now all of a sudden we're level twelve, or we've leveled up three levels and we're level so twelve. So we, we played the same game, same characters for same game, two years same now, characters. and you're twelve level. No, no, six weeks. We're we start out at level eight. Oh, started at level eight. Yes. Oh. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how I don't I don't see a way that, uh, that changes it, it. The plot remains the same. I see how it changes the, it. The plot remains the same. The only difference is the battles are a lot more complex. Well, I think the the enemies are cha- the the enemies obviously the CR changes, well, but the options from the players off, off, also change. Well, here's the thing. Let's let's say we were let's say we're level twelve in the battle we just experienced, mm-hmm. but then most of it would just be harder. You mm-hmm. have taken more hits to kill. You have probably still killed us at the mm-hmm. same amount of time. It would mm-hmm. just be because you'll be hitting harder. You know what I mean? It would just be we will have more options in the battle to resolve. Especially things. if you're like a wizard or, or a cleric, because you start doing crazy right. stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's actually one of the things that Mike does not like is that well, I have yet to play a game in Michael's that is above level four. So uh, I've never played a game higher than six with Mike. And that's, yeah. and that's fine. And I think he likes mm. it being simplistic because then it's a lot easier to uh, expect or kind of know what players will do right. while still giving them so options. And, and there, there is, level, a, there is level, a difference then. Right. At level 16, players can be like, I'm a wizard. I want to stop time. And you're like, well, right. Well, and this is mm. this is a Michael thing. And I know, I, I know I've talked to Evan about it. I don't know if I've covered it with you guys. But, but I am very set in my ways. Like, I am just... The way I've, the books I've read and the experiences I've had, I don't ever want anybody to play a Minotaur in my games. I think it's stupid. Like Come that's on, man, are awesome. They're I think they're dumb. I don't want somebody to play a centaur. Basically, you're a human, an elf, See, a dwarf, or halfway. Completely opposite of me. I want players to experiment no, with that because stuff. to me that breaks the topic. Like, it gets silly to me. And, and, then, and then again, it's an opinion. I'm not saying I'm no, right. No, no, no. But I my opinion is what, what defines silly. Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. then you can say Gregson is silly, right? He is. We know this. Well, my but but, but within too, the, the confines of the game, it makes sense because I in this game specifically, I'm trying to create a gritty. Now, you're in this dirty city. It's a big city. It's full of crime and corruption. And you guys are playing characters within it. And there's moments of levity which Grexel provides. But if all of a sudden there was a mentor walk, or mentor walking around and a pixie flying around and, like, you know, hiding in his bag and throwing fairy dust, that's, to me, But it doesn't have to dumb. be a pixie and mentor. But the thing is, it's like Lord of the Rings, for instance. I, I hate to use that. It's the most used reference ever. But let's say Aragorn's a level 12 fighter or a ranger. <laughs> He's a ranger, actually. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was still challenged in the movie. He was challenged. He almost died. Fell right. off a cliff, you know. I mean, you can still present challenges to those higher levels. Right, yeah, so it just takes a little bit more creativity. I'm not saying that you. Well, I don't even do think that. it's creativity. I think it's, as I said, mm-hmm. if you actually truly look at the meta game of D&D, the power levels of the monsters max the bonuses you get to hit, it matches your hit points. They all scale the same way. So, in a funny way, the percentage you have. To kill a monster at level three, it's pretty much the same as you do as level ten. It's just as I said, it's overall in D seven plus two. You're all in oh D eight plus two. You're you're all in D twelve plus five, and the health of the right. monster. Has or to you could be rolling. You could be doing a spell that might benefit the party, but then you back off as opposed to magic missile or something. You know, right? Well, level you have more one. Options. Level one is the only time that you're mm. very limited in what. You yeah, can level do. one, you're just like I do this because this is the only thing right. I can for do. me. But D and D next seems to be handling that very nicely, and, and that's so what I'd that's, like to see. That's one of the I'd things like about the topic game that I like to run is, for example, in the first Saturday game, 
Evan did something as a character to me that was like perfect for for me as a DM. Not necessarily for you as a player, but just as a DM, it was the type of moment that I walked. It was when you killed the last thug upstairs in the shop after that you chased down Omi, and he did try to attack you with his club. And you you, know, you basically said, I, "I rub my arm over his neck and pull him down, and I stab him with a dagger." Now, if I had said you did that. But then he came off the dagger and he hit you, and then you stabbed him again, and then he hit you again, and then you stabbed him again, and then he died. Um, that's just stupid. But the fact that you killed him with that one hit, that was like, I'm, that's a, a cinematic moment. I totally agree, and it was a really cool moment, and I actually like the creativity that Evan had to make that happen. The problem is, and I've always had the problem with this with D&D, and we've discussed this multiple times, the hit point system makes it so a hardened monster has more hit points. So, and this is why I'm kind of always making a joke when someone says, like, oh, I want to decapitate it. It's like, you can't. Because if you crit, the monster is not going to die because he has 80 hit points. You might do 30. You might be 50. You might be do 79. And 79, me and I'm sure Michael will do the same it's thing. Dead. We'll be like, it's dead. It's decapitated. So are you saying what you don't like is that as... The, the levels way, go as the levels go up. It's it not takes even away levels. from it's not even levels. The way the hit point system works, it's almost impossible to one shot a monster. There's other gaming style. Or there's other gaming environments that they basically say you have ten boxes. If somebody shoots you in the head, you're going to die. But you there are level six thousand. You still have ten boxes of health. But there are monsters that you can one sack. Oh, yeah, like yeah. goblins. If so, you're like but, a 12 level fighter, you can but, clean no, goblins. No, 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 but see, right. here's what I'm saying. With one goblin and you're a level 12 fighter, yeah, you mm. will kill him with one hit, and actually you'll probably kill like three or four. Yeah. But if you're fighting an equivalent, like let's say we're all super assassins in real life. Mm-hmm. If I shoot you in the head, I don't care if you're a super assassin or not, you're going to die. Right. In D&D, it's like, no, I'm cool. And in the stories of D&D, if you actually read the stories, yeah. even the super grand wizards... They can still get stabbed with a dagger and die. Well, D and D assassin has to study their enemy. Well, no, no, not even for assassins. I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah. It's like even right. in the stories, death is realistic. Yes. Right. For me, the complexity of the battle should not be I have to hit this guy 17 times before he dies. It should be something else, like the mul- the number of enemies that I have to kill. Okay, I kill this guy one hit. Then I gotta kill this guy one hit. I kill this one, and it, that should take some time and effort. And I don't want to scale up again where it, you're fighting it, it, superheroes. It all depends on how you look at it, because the players in the in the game are potentially heroes. I mean, right. like if you look at, and I hate to keep referencing Lord of the Rings, but if, <laughs> our, if anybody would have fell off that cliff, they would have died. But Aragorn lived. Let's use Sesame Street. Yeah, okay, but, but Sesame even, Street, Big Bird, he's huge. But okay, even he's in got that a Lord DR of sixteen. Okay, how yeah. often did <sighs> did those um, creatures die after one hit? Probably nine percent of the time, Legolas shot an arrow. He yeah. killed. It's yes. like one, one, it was one, all one, exactly. one, one. Yeah, That's what I'm talking about. I don't want to get in a situation where I hit, he hits me. I hit, well, he hits me twelve times. I didn't make this. I didn't make no. this point earlier, I but I meant to. When you were saying, like you were saying that you were bored, or I don't know, you might not have said bored, but you said that 